listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara, and this is episode number 51. Um, and this episode is uh, the one-year anniversary of the podcast, um, and also kicking off something that's going to be an ongoing thing the next few months, in which every other week we're going to be getting two uh, podcasts in a week. Um, so every month you're going to have uh, the uh, Satanism, Spirituality of Joe, and then Horror Hotel with Mike um, coming out every other week in, uh, in the month, starting next month. But this particular episode, not only doing that, but also is celebrating the one-year anniversary. And like I said, my friend uh, Mike Purdy is joining me um, for the uh, second official episode of our Horror Hotel series. And this time we're covering poltergeist earlier in the month we had the jaws special for fourth of july and um but yeah this is the official episode number two of this series which is going to be monthly because i like to cover horror movies and i think it's gonna you know it's fun and good to have one of my best friends on and um uh so yeah we'll be covering horror movies every month next month will be the fog and I think we might be doing Demon Night for September. Uh, that's kind of what we've been talking about. And then October, I have a very special one for you guys planned. It's going to be a special. It's going to come out for Halloween. And um, yeah, it's going to be a good, good episode. So uh, watch out for that in October. But uh, yeah, so this episode, we're covering the uh, classic poltergeist which if you go back to horror wolf 666 episode that i did of brandon legion about our favorite supernatural ghost movies uh which appeared on both of our lists as one of the best uh, um ghost horror movies so yeah maybe go check that episode out it's very good and i tell a ghost story that i experienced which i also told in the episode with richard and nas alchemist so um, uh, as you can probably tell, my voice is a little messed up. I came down with a cold, but, um, yeah, fortunately. Last night I went and saw, uh, Prophanatica, Panzerfaust, and Helleborus live, the Globe Hall here in Denver. And it was a very, very great night. Myself and my, uh, friend and drummer of my project, Althusir, uh, Alex, went it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And Alex, I'm going to have him on here soon to discuss horror movie of some sort as well. And then we're going to do an episode whenever we get our EP done for uh, for Althusir later on in the year, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. But yeah, we went and saw the show. It was amazing. Uh, I'm a big fan of Profanatica. And... Uh, big fan of and yeah i really like panzerfaust as well they were crushing live but yeah prophanatica i've been a fan of since the early 2000s um primarily getting into it through obviously the original havohe uh album which was recordings of the songs from prophanatica and um yeah ever since he got back together been into all the all the releases that that paul edney has done with both Prophanatica as well as Havohe. 
And, uh, yeah, they have a new album coming out later this year, which I'm looking forward to coming out, I think it's September. Should be on my top list of the year, I'd imagine. Uh, pretty much 100% certain that that album is going to be on top uh, in, the, in the higher echelons of my list, alongside, like, the Marduk album that's coming out. I pretty much can guarantee that's going to be on there. Yeah, so uh, my my uh, my review of the night is ten out of ten, uh, beyond top notch, as Jackie Smith would say. And uh, if you ever get a chance to see any of those bands live, take it, take it, with both your hands, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, speaking of Jackie, speaking of Brandon, uh, I belong to a gang of uh, podcasters, and uh, we have. Uh, Brand called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. Every mon every other Monday you have Warwolf six 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 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. Uh every Thursday you have uh uh Necromaniacs with uh Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Every Friday, you have Break the Apocalypse of John Draper. Then I have my uh, affiliates that I like to shout out as well, are not part of the Horseman, which is the Bliss Manifestations of Cheyenne of Trivax, and um, the Mycelium Signal with Konstantin Tuonohove. And speaking of uh, everyone back, my kill, uh, this week uh, we did an episode about Robert E. Howard on there. And you can uh, go and give that a listen. It's out now. Uh, great episode. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, always never say no to a chance to talk about Robert E. Howard, who's one of my favorite writers. And uh, yeah, and we also have our ongoing Carl Edward Wagner series, which is every month split between Everything Went Black and Soul Knox. The uh, next episode of Darkness Weaves will be out a week after after next. So. But yeah, the next episode is going to be Void of Nihilus and Gravier. It'll be coming out on Sunday. And then the week after will be The Darkness Weaves. All right. And uh, you can follow everybody on social media. You can follow me with either my name or you can uh, follow Denver Underground Radio, uh, which is the kind of home site for the podcast as well as my radio uh, shows. I have an online radio station called Denver Underground Radio, and they have two shows every every um, every week. Tuesdays you have Darklands, uh, which is my show, which is black metal, death metal, dark ambient, etc. Every Thursday you have the Upstairs Room with my friend Ken, who also runs the station with me, and we could do dark wave, goth, post punk, this kind of stuff. Both those shows start at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on those respective days. So check it all out. You can also find all the information at DenverUndergroundRadio.com. Um, anyways, so yeah, so we're going to get into this episode with Mike Purdy. And we're talking about the classic Poltergeist. And, uh, yeah, check it out. And, um... Um, I think I maybe forgot uh, the last episode to announce. Also, I released a new demo from Project Verkolkos called Poison of God or Rising from Rot. Check that out at verkolkos.bandcamp.com. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. Um, I, I did a uh, 
Patreon episode about it, but not on there, which reminds me of the Patreon. The last thing I forgot. I have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Soul Knox Podcast. $2 a month, and you get bonus content, as well as often early access to the episodes. Trying to do two to four episodes a month. Uh, Tricky right now, it's going to be a lot easier because I'm very far ahead on the main podcast. So give it a shot. Alright, guys. Hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan. This is, um, I guess it's like, it's kind of funny because it's, it's the proper episode two for Horror Hotel, but it's actually episode three because we did that Jaws special, you know, 4th of July special, so. Yes, we did. And I guess this one goes pretty well with, um, with Jaws as we're recovering um, Poltergeist from 1982, which of course was uh, produced by Steven Spielberg. So, you know, it kind of goes, kind of... They end up going pretty, you know, hand in hand in a way, which was not the intention, just kind of happened that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm recovering Poltergeist from 1982, the classic. It's directed by Toby Hooper, um, produced and written by Steven Spielberg, uh, Michael Grace, and Mark Victor from Story by Spielberg, even though it's funny because the actual concept, I guess, was Toby Hooper's originally. Right. Like he like <clears throat> he came up with the basic concept and then Steven Spielberg kind of made a story out of it, right? Um, when stars uh Joe Beth Williams, let me see, I want to pull up so I can do their names. So Joe Beth Williams is Diane Freeling, Craig T. Nelson, or Coach. <laughs> yes, our coach. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Freeling. That's how, that's how I knew him as a kid. Yep. We have Dominique Dunn as Dana Freeling, Oliver Robbins as Robbie Freeling, Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann Freeling, and then um, we got some of the characters later on, like Beatrice Strait as Dr. Martha Lesh. Um, you got Michael Mananis as Ben Tuthill. Let's see, where's um, and Zelda Rumsen as Tangina, who shows up later, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah, let's pick the main characters. Huh? Right. I the the Ben guy. I mean, it's not a main character. I don't know why. <laughs> it was like it's just because he's in the list. All right, so 
Yeah, so the movie was, uh, like I said, it was like um, when it was being, so I learned that it was like um, originally like like Steven Spielberg wanted to do like a um, kind of like a horror sequel to Close Encounters, which would be called right. like Dark Size. Okay. And um, I approached uh, Toby Hooper to um to direct it but toby hooper's like i don't really like science fiction stuff he didn't want to do the alien thing so right uh so he was like well i had this idea like i guess he had this idea since the 70s of um a kind of like haunted house poltergeist type of idea and so then Stephen tour turned that into the movie that we got today nice and of course we can get into later all the uh the controversy about all that and like my thoughts about that so right um yeah, so when when was the first time you saw a poltergeist? Do you remember? Yeah, six years old. My babysitter showed it to me. Your babysitter showed you poltergeist? Yep. Then uh not, not the were... best idea. <laughs> yeah, you t- I think you told me that that you used to have a uh a tree outside your house that was like the same as the tree in the movie. Yeah, pretty much. I mean it didn't have the same exact close by but how that looks after especially rewatching it but yeah close enough is that big giant tree that would stand out and scrape the window right close enough that as a kid you felt you felt like they're a... yeah 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 because obviously when we're kids we can uh you know we're like oh that's that's exactly the same you're like no it's not but yeah right yeah when you're a kid it is <laughs> yeah you got a big creepy tree like outside your window yeah um yeah i think uh this is one of those movies i saw pretty young i think my dad dad rented it like i don't know it's probably around the same time i saw nightmare on elm street i think it's probably six oh, or yeah. seven yeah uh and of course like this one of those movies that you see on tv a lot so i've seen on tv a lot as well uh, yeah. as well as just watching it but yeah so this movie, yeah this movie came out the year i was born yeah yeah this is one of those movies that definitely um you know i think it's shaped several generations of people you know anybody who's born in the i don't know the late 70s even the, anybody from generation x on down to like kind of more our generation like it's just like yeah poltergeist is a big 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 shaping influence i think <laughs> oh yeah the funny thing is i probably i think i probably saw that um simpsons Triassa horror episode because that was the second, you know, the first um for, first one that they ever did, like in like like what ninety one or whatever, ninety two. Yeah. I probably saw that before I actually saw Poltergeist. <laughs> oh nice. You know, because they have that that kind of like mishmash of um Amityville and and Poltergeist in that movie. Yeah. And that movie, that movie, that, that TV show, that episode. Yep. Yeah. But um Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean I've seen definitely um pretty imprinted i I was thinking about it today like a lot of the scenes in it um when i was a kid right and um and stuff i didn't understand when i was a kid yeah like like to be honest like some aspects of the plot really didn't make any sense to me when i was a kid to make more sense as an adult (laughs) right which we can get into oh yeah um so yeah the movie starts with i think the opening is very unique because it starts off with like the Star Spangled Banner and it's just okay. like you're close up on like a TV basically, you know? Right. And you're like watching like the the ending thing of, of movies. And of course, like that's the thing of 
uh, some podcasts I was listening to were kind of like, yeah, at, um, nowadays a lot of kids don't even know what the fuck this is. Like, they don't understand that TV ended, you know? <laughs> That's right. There was not 24 hours on TV. Mm-mm. Not unless you had cable, you know? Right. Like, the, the, the main channels all ended at, like, midnight or whatever. Yeah. And, um, or maybe, maybe one or two in the morning, I guess. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember being up late enough, you know, or waking up as a kid, like, with, to the to the thing playing, and then all of a sudden the screen goes static, you know, and you're just like... Oh, yeah. So it's like seeing that, like, instantly, like, puts me back to being, like, six or seven years old, like a little kid in the early 90s, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I'm sure for you, like, back in the 80s, I mean, it's just like, it gives you that feeling of, like, yeah, like, this yep. is a... I don't know. It's like that. It's not even just nostalgia. It just like puts you right back there, you know. Oh yeah, those. Um, but then, so we're kind of like panning out. It's a static or whatever, and um, it's kind of a really great introduction, I think, because it's like you you see like the the dad, you know, um, um, feeling like um, sitting there like sleeping in front of the tv right um and then it kind of pans back and it uses the 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 dog to kind of <laughs> panning through like the whole basically like it's it's really like um uh, what's the word um really clever like idea you know what i mean like to have like the dog you're following the dog as it goes through the house to kind of right. introduce the house the the geometric the space of the house as well like the layout and everything as well as um you're basically getting introduced to all the characters in the scene so you know it starts off from the living room with with the dad and then it goes upstairs and it's like goes into um dana's room and or i think it goes into the mom's room and looks at her and then goes in dana's room and it finds like the fucking bag of chips you know yep like in her bed and like starts trying to eat them and then it goes right. into uh the kids room and have Robbie and um Carol Ann and then um very quickly, very elegantly, you're kind of introduced to everybody, you know? Right. And I think um this is kind of a trick that I feel like um um uh, what's his name? The guy who did ta- conjuring, um Oh James Wan. James Wan. He always does stuff like this in his movies. If right. You, if you notice, like if you watch like The Conjuring or Insidious or a lot of his movies, he'll always do, find some way to do this kind of like exact same shot where it shows follows somebody or something, like to show you like the layout of the house or whatever. Right. Because in Conjuring One, they did that when they get to the house and it's like following one of the kids as she's like going into the house when they're moving. Yeah, same thing with Saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's like. And you're like, yeah, he probably, I mean, probably got that from this movie. I, I can I guarantee you, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, so then we, we see Carol Ann suddenly wake up, and she goes downstairs and goes up to the TV, and then, like, seems to be, like, answering questions, right? She's like, five, you know. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> right. Five, I don't know. What? Yeah, and then she's like, can you speak up? And she starts yelling at it and like wakes everybody up. Yep. Later on, we kind of find out that this isn't the first time she's sleepwalked. They say that she's been sleepwalking for the whole week before. Yeah. There's a detail that I didn't pick up until uh, until the last time, you know? 
Yeah, same here. So it's like, okay, so this has kind of been going on. Yeah. But yeah, and we just jump straight from that to um to the next day, and now we're introduced in a kind of similar way that we got introduced to the house or introduced to the neighborhood following the guy with the beer riding his bicycle, right? Right. And uh, yeah, so you got to, I just think it's funny. Like I would never fucking take a 24 pack of beer on a bicycle like that. No, that's the worst idea ever. <laughs> Which of course <laughs> happens like the, I mean, granted the kids like knock his bicycle over or whatever. I mean, but still right. I mean, that's pretty precarious, you know? Yeah, it is. And of course, like, it's funny because, like, you know, I think at the time in the 80s when this came out, I mean, suburbs were still a relatively new thing, you know, like, these types of right. suburbs. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, I think the oldest suburbs in our area were probably from, what, the 70s, you know? Yeah. Maybe a little bit older because I think um, Mission Viejo was built, what, was it in the 60s? 60s, early 70s, yeah. Yeah, because I know, like, my guy used to cut my hair. It was one of the, he, he was on the first, his family was like the first family to move in. One of the first families to move into v- Mission Viejo. Okay. And uh, he was like the first generation. Like he was in the f- first graduating class of uh, Smoky Hill High School. Oh damn! And uh, he was like the he was the same age as my mom, and so he would have been like, I think they moved here in the sixties. So yeah. So I mean, if you think about it, like sixties to eighty two. I mean, that's only twenty years. You know what I mean? Like that's. Before that, there really wasn't a such thing as a suburb. You know what I mean? Right. And the, sub- the idea of suburbs was pretty is even different back then. Because I mean, if you look at older suburbs, like, like, um, even where you live now, like, it's kind of like you have more space and stuff in between the houses. Where I feel like a lot of these newer suburbs are just all up on each other. You know? Oh yeah, dude. It's like well, hell, like when I lived in Mission, there were you know you had room. Yeah, yeah, you had room. I mean. And these houses are kind of like in between because they're definitely pretty close to each other, but they're they have space, you know. They still got they're probably each on like half an acre of land or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but I mean their houses are kind of close next to each other, but and right. I, I guess this was filmed in a real neighborhood in 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 California. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, the Grim Life Collective where they where he goes he went to the the filming locations. Oh yeah, that's right. They did do one home. Yeah, so yeah, he went to he actually like went to the house, the poltergeist house. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. But yeah, the, um uh yeah, so yeah, this, so we're introduced like we're following this guy and then he ends up he's going to their house. This is when we actually see the outside of the house for the first time and everything. And um we get to see the tree and you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And he goes in and now we're introduced to the family kind of awake, like you have like the kids and you got like Dana eating something and and the mom and all that stuff and he's going in to, and they're like watching a football game or whatever. Like we're very excited about that football game. <laughs> yes, they are. And then kind of concurrently with that, um, the mom like fi- figures out that that um, Tweety has died, the bird. Yep. Which is definitely like you know the canary in the coal mine, right? Oh yeah. Like it's your first warning. Yeah, it's like she's been sleepwalking, and then last night she's finally like makes contact with these spirits, and now like the the bird dies like literally the next day. Like yeah, right, yeah. And so like kind of concurrently, two things are happening. Like you're seeing like um this whole thing with with um the dad and the neighbor because their remotes are like changing each other. Yeah, which of course is again a very '80s thing that like people would not get now. <laughs> I don't think. <Right>. Like <laughs> what? 
I don't think that really works that way anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. that was back when you had like literally a, re- a universal remote that would work on any TV. You know, you didn't program it to a certain TV. <laughs> right. And then you have um. Yeah, so they are. So then, uh, concurrently with this, like the mom's about to fucking flush the bird down the toilet, which I thought was funny. I'm like, why would you flush a bird? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, no, that makes sense. It has, you don't flush a bird, man. Like, this is, it's not going to go down right, I don't think. No, I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, and then the, the daughter catches her. So now she has to bury the, bury the bird. And um, I think it's a lot of... It's, it, it's interesting because this whole thing, I think, is actually kind of necessary. The whole saga of the bird dying, I think, is actually part of kind of a... Um, hint of what's going to happen you know what i mean right foreshadowing in a way yeah oh yeah so it's like she like you know they lay the they bury the bird but i say that because then like like and just about another scene later or not too i mean a little bit later like when they're digging in the back the bird's uh box gets tore up you know what i mean yep which i think is a foreshadowing for later yeah i do too but um yeah, so yeah, all this going on, and then Caroline gets some goldfish, and she's up there, and it's now it's nighttime, and they're up there, and um, and I were introduced to, to you know Robbie sitting there like um, um, reading his comic book or whatever, and and we get introduced to the, to the to the clown, you know. Yeah. It's only first see the clown doll. Yeah, I think this was for six hundred thousand dollars. Just over six hundred thousand. Yeah, just sold for six over over six hundred thousand. Grim Life showed it on their page. That's crazy. I know that the malfunction guy has um has one of those as well. Yeah, I think they only made like two or three for the movie. Right. But yeah, like, and like, I think their room is funny because I mean it's literally covered in Star Wars stuff. Yeah, which is just hilarious. Yeah, and one alien poster. <laughs> yep. Which is probably not the fact that Jerry Goldsmith also did the soundtrack to Alien, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you feel like all this stuff is like little like nods, like yeah, but it's like literally all Star Wars stuff. It's like he's got a Chewbacca coat, right? Darth Vader's on a toy set. Yeah, Darth Vader, like the yeah the toy. Um, that was like that old toy box. Yeah. That Darth Vader thing. Yeah. Somebody was like, "Oh, it's a mask." Like, no, it's not a mask. It's a only fucking nerds know this, I guess, but it's like. It's like a toy. It, it was like a little weird toy carrying case they had back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I remember seeing those when I was a kid. I, like you, yeah, uh, you know, if you go into like um, toy store, like because there was a few like in Denver, they had that one, a couple stores that sold old like vintage toys. Right. That definitely not exist there. There was one down on Broadway, and they all they sold was like vintage toys, and you could see all of the Star Wars stuff. Uh huh. I also remember looking at like um old like Star Wars like catalog stuff of toys or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, it was like old toy toy carrying case for some reason where it's like shaped like like Darth Vader and you could put and I think even in the nineties they made some of those, didn't they? Yeah, they made they remade my buddy actually had the original C three PO one. Oh really? And C three PO one? Yeah. Yeah. I think there was like C three PO and R two D two and Darth Vader or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, look, here, George, here's all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess it's like, yeah, we're Brett, we're buddies, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. And also, the other thing as funny is the dog's name. 
which I forget the name of the dog off the top of my head, but basically the name of the dog is named after a Dan Aykroyd character in um, Saturday Night Live. Oh, nice. And that's because, I guess, Steven Spielberg and Dan Aykroyd are friends, so. Right. <laughs> and I think Dan Aykroyd helped him with his last movie or something like that. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. I can't remember the other thing. I, I don't know how it goes, but something about the post up there for the Super Bowl is actually like six years ahead of like, schedule. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like the Super Bowl that's up there. Like, I mean, I don't think the teams are actually in it, but it's like literally like 1988 or something. <laughs> wonder, wonder why that is. Right. Maybe they got it, got it messed up there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so yeah, we were introduced like in Caroline's like feeding her fish or all this stuff, and then they put him to sleep. And there's like a storm coming, you know. So you've seen the kids kind of lying down with like the, the thunder going on or whatever. But then, right. But now, like we're introduced now, like the kid, the parents are by themselves in their bedroom, which I think is a, such a funny scene because they're getting high, you know. Oh, they're good, fucking high as hell. Yeah, like, they're so like fucking high. It's so funny. Right, when she's like, "Don't touch me." <laughs> or like she's like just hanging on to that fucking like joint like for dear life yeah right I, like, I love how he's like trying to like roll the joint o- over his like ronald reagan book but he can't uh-huh. it, so he hands it to her to roll it you know <laughs> i'm like this is so fu- this is so funny like oh yeah it is particularly 1982 you know what i mean yeah right show a couple like normal ass parents you know they're pretty successful and they're smoking joint pot i think this is one of those things that definitely you wouldn't have seen later in the eighties, but, but you see no. it at early eighties cause you still had that hangover from the seventies. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, yeah, so there, you know, so th- it's a good scene, like where you can kind of see their dynamic, like they have really good chemistry, you know? Yeah, they do. Like that's one thing that a lot of people, everyone seems to say about this movie is that it's like, they seem like a real family, you know, they do. You don't get a lot of like, there's never any exposition dumping really. Oh. You know, like any of the things that distinct each other seem natural. You kind of have to figure out certain things in the movie based off of context clues of what people say. You know what I mean? Right. Which is I kind of like because that means like you might miss certain things and then, you know, you figure out later on or whatever. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, I was like this guy I watch. His name's Minty's from Australia. Um, he did 10 things you don't know about Poltergeist. And I guess originally they were supposed to like hate each other on screen. Oh, really? It's supposed to be all different. Like, like, argue all the time, you know, like, not a happy couple. And, like, you know, they're supposed to, like, more tormenting things. That's why that everything was happening. But once they realized their chemistry, Craig T. Nelson and her were like, no, we're not doing that. And they actually were like, no, you're right. You guys are better for your loving family. Yeah. I think it makes more sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least for the movies that we have, you know? Right. Yeah, and they're... um. So, yeah, I mean, this is a great scene that shows that up because it sets it up because, I mean, pretty much after this, I mean, this is like the calm before the storm, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Uh, literally, like, because there's a storm going on. But, yeah, like, um, you got, like, the kids are scared of the storm. They, like, wake up, whatever. And I love that scene where he puts them back to bed and is like, oh, no, just take count the between the the lightning and the thunder. Yep. And the next thing you see, like, is they're they're, they're both in bed with the parents, you know, <laughs> yep. which is pretty pretty realistic. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then yeah, then the TV goes back to that fucking you know the the national anthem whatever goes into static, 
and then Caroline wakes up. Yep. And then she goes forward and she's talking and now all of a sudden like what is like a big like a spectral hand comes out of TV, right? Yeah, which maybe you know, if I was a kid I'd run out of the app room. <laughs> You're like, yo my god. <laughs> Man, if I saw a spectral hand come out of my TV, I'd be pretty freaked out even now. Right. <laughs> um but yeah, so you get the hand coming out and then she I forget something like comes out like thing comes out of TV and suddenly it's like goes into the wall, right? Yeah, and the whole house starts shaking. And the whole house starts shaking, yeah. And and she's like, They're here. That's like the fan you know, the the famous famous words that everybody knows from this movie. That's right. And then the next thing it's in the morning. And like uh, you know, uh Craig Nielsen's like trying to be like, no, uh trying to explain that there was an earthquake, even though that it wasn't an earthquake, apparently, you know? Right. And he's like, I love how he's like, like tying his tie into the phone line. I think it's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Kids are like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I like the phone line. Yeah. So yeah. You had another thing that we don't have now, really. Yeah. Um, they're having breakfast. And things are, sorry, things start, start going weird. Like, like the kids are having breakfast and all of a sudden the, the um, Robbie's like fucking glass just breaks. Yeah. Pouring fucking, yeah. Like milk all everywhere. And then he grabs that fork and spoon. He grabs a fork and spoon and they're all twisted and fucked up. Yep. And then they all leave and then it's just the mom and Carol Ann and then um, there's a scene where she's Carol Ann goes up to the static TV. Apparently, so it's apparently they got a TV in, a, in their a little mini TV in their in their kitchen too, huh? Yeah, because they're rich. Yeah. Cause, yeah, it's one, <laughs> one of those like portable TVs or something. Yep. And like she's watching the TV and then static. And I love how she's like, that's going to ruin your eyes. And she switches over and it's like, just like war, right. war movie. <laughs> like that's better, you know? That's right. And then the, she keeps going like, why do you like, like the chairs go out under the table, which she like goes back and forth and they keep going out. And that one scene where she walks out, she puts them back in, she walks out, comes around, and then they're all up on top of the t- t- table, which is, of course, a really famous scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. Which what is literally one one tracking shot. They did it by having, like, the the chairs, like, stacked on each other, like, already, like, kind of a prop. Right. And so, and she turned around, they went and grabbed all the other chairs and put that one on top so that it was ready for when she came back around. So it is, like, one one shot, you know? Right. And then she's like, um, "Is that the the TV people?" You know, she's and uh, Caroline's like, "Yeah, it's TV yeah. people." <laughs> yeah, like, just like, hey, you know, it's a normal thing. Yeah, she's like, "Can you can you see them?" She's like, "No." <laughs> like, okay, uh, yeah. So the next next thing we know is the whole scene, and this I distinctly remember this this part in particular. And the first time I saw it when I was a kid. Right. I really remember seeing like being a kid and the whole part where there's like the the t- the chair moving on the floor, you know, like from one place to another, where she's like showing the dad like like what's going yeah. on, you know. Yeah. And particularly the part where they put Carol Ann with like the football helmet onto it. Yeah. Like that that that's like seared in my mind from when I was a kid for some reason. That that's one of the ones that really stuck with me for some reason. Right. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Yeah, mine's just the damn truth. 
Yeah, a tree. I mean, definitely remember the tree as well as a kid, but that scene for some reason, like I was, I, I just remember watching it as a kid, like and that scene yeah. like really sticking out. Um, and uh, yeah, so they know. Okay, something's going on. They don't know what's going on, but they're in, you know they go to bed. And uh, literally from yeah, that's when all hell breaks loose. So it's like there is another storm comes in, and the kids are lying in bed, and all of a sudden the fucking tree breaks through the fucking window, and grabs yeah. Robbie. <laughs> yeah. So did you notice how the tree has a face on it? Yeah. 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 It's really and like if that. you pay attention to it, it's, it's Kane's face. Oh really? Uh huh. Like the face from. The next movie from the next movie, yeah. Oh wow! So they they so when they did yeah. Cause, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the second one, but I know that he he plays the Beast, right? Yeah, and if if you watch the documentary of the Poltergeist, they actually explain that was he was supposed to be in the original instead of we'll get to that later. But the part. Oh really? He was actually okay. Yep. I did not know that. So okay, so yep. that, that makes sense. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, it has the face. It's like grabs him, pulls him out. They're freaking out. The parents are trying to go out and try to save him. <laughs> yep. Like, and 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 it's like this storm. There's like a fucking tornado. Right. It, it's crazy. And she's like, it just missed us. Yeah, and like they're trying trying to pull. Robbie, like the tree literally puts like trying to eat him. Right. I forgot about that. I forgot that the tree like literally like puts it in and it's like tree mouth and it's like trying to swallow him, you know? <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> right. So did I. And and as as they're doing that, then now the thing like sucks Carol Ann into the into the closet. It sucks yep. everything in the closet, which yeah. Which is a crazy, crazy scene with everything like oh, yeah. getting sucked in. After they they rescue Robbie and then the tree gets pulled away by by the tornado, yes. Then they're like, Carol Ann, let's make sure she's okay. They run in and they can't find her anywhere. She's not anywhere. In the closet, you have the kind of fake out where you know there's like the almost looks like she's like in the closet like dead, but then they realize it's like a clown. Yep. And then they're running around and stuff, and then Robbie's next to like the TV doing the static. And she's and he starts he sees something in it and he starts yelling at them and then the mom comes in and then they realize that Carol Ann's voice is coming through the TV now. Yep. And uh, yeah, so now, <laughs> so yeah, pretty much, uh, pretty much like oh, like like literally like between five minutes, like the whole everything's gone to hell. <laughs> oh yeah. Like oh, absolutely. I kind of I I actually. To be honest, because it's been a little while since I watched this last time. Oh yeah, same here. Probably like ten years or something. Right. So I kind of forgot. I remember the tree breaking through, but I forgot that it grabs him and is trying to eat him. Like I told totally you yeah, about that too. part. <laughs> I did too. Oh, so real quick, the funny part, you know, when they are sliding across the kitchen. Yeah. You know how like, it gets that really weird edit, and they go to that house, their neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why that's all fucked up is because there's actually more to that first scene where she goes you know when she's like I want pizza and all that yeah they're like oh we're gonna go to Pizza Hut yeah he, he actually ad-libbed the line and said fuck Pizza Hut that they're terrible yeah that was like actually they filmed it and they're like wait we can't use that 
because you just said Pizza Hut is terrible. Well, I think yeah, I think I heard the Pizza Hut itself got wind of it and told him they had to take it out or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're like, eh, that's yeah. why it seems so messed up with the editing. Yeah, yeah, they, they just kind of quickly cut. Right. And uh, definitely when they're going over to talk to their neighbors, they seem pretty high. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> they seem like their their reaction to what's going on is well, let's get high and have some pizza. Right. We'll go talk to our neighbors, make fools yep. of ourselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah so so next next scene that we see is is we're inside we're in like a university and the dad is talking to some uh, paranormal investigators yep and this is when we're introduced to um i just said her name but um dr uh dr martha lesh martha lesh so yeah so this is when we're introduced to lesh dr lesh and um they're you know, interviewing him and everything like that. And, um, and basically, yeah, then they, they come to the house and you get a feeling that some time has gone by, you know, like we don't know quite how much time has gone by, but it feels like they're, you know, they're trying to like survive with the situation as it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're kind of like realize certain things about it. And, um, and, uh, that's when they, they show them the, I think it's real funny the part where the guy's like, "Yeah, I saw like a thing move seven feet over seven hours." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then they like open up the fucking room to the the kids' room, and all this stuff's like spinning around. <laughs> I saw it so random with the uh, record player playing, it's like, like what Tinkle Tinkle Little Star or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it, it's so funny. And then they're always like sitting there staring, like, what "The fuck." <laughs> Which yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Everything's fucking spinning in this room, like, and there's like growling and stuff going on, you know. Um, the room is making noises. It's like <laughs> that. That scene is like so funny, though. Oh yeah, it is. Like, and then uh, yeah, so so yeah, they're gonna do some. They they show them how they can talk to Carol Ann through the TV, and then. Kind of like you get a scene at, later on in the night where they're having this conversation, like, and you know, t- talking about the hauntings and stuff like that. And, um, and then you get the fucking, um, the scene where the guy goes to get something to eat, goes in the kitchen, and, um, and this this whole this whole scene is disgusting. And you're like, man, this is a PG movie, <laughs> right? Because yeah, because he grabs like, fucking grabs like a piece a chicken piece out of the fridge and grabs like a whole steak, right? Yeah, right. And like just pops it right on the counter. I think that's so gross. He just like, it's like, who's keeping just a steak like uncovered in a fridge for for one? Right. And I'm plopping it down on just like on like a counter. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh huh. Man, he's like sitting there, and all of a sudden, like the fucking the steak bursts open of maggots and shit. Oh yeah, which is so disgusting. It's so gross. And then he drops like the the chicken piece, and then that's all covered in maggots and stuff. Right. And he goes in the bathroom, and he's like trying to like wash his face and all that stuff. And then you see like he's got a scratch his face. And he starts trying to pull it off, right? Yep. And this whole scene is so disgusting because he literally fucking rips his face off, basically, and we just see like this disgusting, like bloody, like skeleton face, you know. Right, and those are Steven Spielberg's hands. 
Yeah, Steven Spielberg did it himself. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, this part really feels very Toby Hooper, though. Oh yeah. And uh, but then oh, psych! It was just uh, the house fucking with you. Yep. <laughs> Give me the leave too. Yeah, uh, he comes back out, and oh, and that he was also bit earlier. I forgot about that. That guy got That's bit right. earlier. Yeah. Yep. Because he tried to go up into the room, and then the house, then something, and bit him. So I feel like the house really marked him out as like the weak one or something. Yep. Yeah, bit him like yeah, yeah. He had this whole thing. He comes out, and all of a sudden we see like on the camera, like you see like this thing, white figures coming out of the room, coming down across the thing and going into into the 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 ceiling, right? Right. Yep. So it's like. It turns out when you look at they look they watch the video back, it's like a whole a bunch of ghosts, you know. Yep. And um and that's when they figure out that that there's like an entrance and an exit. There's like two kind of portals in the house. Right. Oh, they they really figured out a little bit later when um when um. Tangina shows up, but yeah, that's when we see that there's like a, some type of portal in the, the ceiling of the the living room. Yep. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's after this is when we get the scene where the uh, the the dad's boss comes. Yeah. And he's like. He's like, come with me, you know, like, and he's like trying to be like, no, I got the flu, but then he, he takes him, he's like, doesn't want to lose him, all this stuff, he's like afraid that, that he's going to quit on him or whatever. Right. And uh, it takes him up to the to the hill overlooking where they live, and is like, how do you like to look over, have this view as, as your living room or whatever, you know? Yep. And, uh, but then it turns out, like, right behind there, there's a goddamn cemetery. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, we own all the land. We're going to, you know, move this or whatever. And the dad's kind of like, that doesn't seem, seems kind of wrong to me, you know? Right. He's like, well, we did it before. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? He's like, what? He did what? He's like, yeah, uh, phase one. Um, where you live now, basically. <laughs> we relocated the body, you know, the cemetery, you know? Yep. And he's just like, it's like you never. Why didn't everybody? No one ever told him that, you know. <laughs> right. So he had no What's idea. About what? No. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if you just found out, like, just kind of like all like casual like that, that you live in an old cemetery? Yeah. Right. I'd be a. Uh, I'd be a little bothered too. Oh yeah. Like oh okay well then so that's how we kind of find out. Yeah, that uh, maybe part of what's going on. Yep. And um, and then we get the scene of Tan with Tan Tangina showing up. Of course, played by Zelda Rubenstein, who's about four feet four, apparently. Right. I do think it's kind of weird how the dad's kind of like making jokes about her being from Over the Rainbow and all stuff. Yeah. Like and, you know, kind of like mocking the whole psychic thing, but. Right. I mean, it's like, dude, like, you live in fucking the mouth of hell. Like, maybe you should be a little bit more, like, right. understanding. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you see what's happening, right? 
Like, you do see the stuff going on in your house. I mean, a psychic, is that really the most far-fetched idea? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But, yeah, that doesn't last too long. But but no. then we get um, Tangina's, like, you know, scoping shit out. And um, I think um, she's basically, you know, says that uh, um, Caroline's in the house still. She senses that there's like a lot of, you know, angry ghosts and stuff, but there's also like something else there too. Something yeah. like evil, basically. Basically like a demon, essentially, right? Right. Um, and I get the sensation that this thing was attracted to the place because of the, the ghosts there, you know? Yeah. That's the feeling I get. I feel like... I mean, they've already lived here for five years, we find out, because Carol Ann was born in the house. Yeah. You know, or like, and that might also be part of it, too, that she's born there, so the ghosts are particularly attracted to her because, like, she's almost kind of, like, has a link to the house, you know? Right. Link to the land and all that kind of stuff. Um. So the ghosts are probably already there. And I mean, who knows? Maybe they've already, maybe there's been, they've already been communicating with her. But I think that the real problem is the, the, the beast coming into the picture, you know? Right. At least that's my interpretation of it all. No, I agree. Yeah. So we find out that she's being held and, um, um, I guess, yeah. Then they figure out that, you know, so they got the, the portals, right? So they, there's the one going in is in the, the bedroom closet and one going out is through the through the ceiling of the uh, the living room. They test yep. this out with like baseballs or whatever with handwriting on them. And then yep, they send then they send the mom in to go get go get Caroline, right? Yeah. Cause first Tangina's gonna do it and she's like, She doesn't know you. You've never done this before. Neither have you're right, you go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to send a mom, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, so they do. So yeah, and and they end up being successful. They pull her out, and and it's funny because they're all covered in like, like goop. You know, like right. it's almost like they like come out of the womb or something again. Yes, we will get to that. I have yeah. theories on. That. Oh really? Yep. Yeah, because I mean, granted, it's kind of probably supposed to be like ectoplasm a little bit, but the the whole. The whole vibe of it is is definitely like a second birth or something, right? You know, right. Particularly, like they take him into the the bathtub and like they're like breathe, breathe, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And also, part of this too is that they're trying to get use Carolina as as a lure to get the ghosts to go towards the light and and leave the place as well, right? So that's part of what's going on. So so supposedly, Tangina says, "Oh, this house is clear." Like. The ghosts are gone, at least, you know. Yeah. Oh, we missed the part where the skull comes out of the closet. The what does? The skull. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So they go up to the closet, and the the skull shows up. The beast, right? Yeah. And as where it was supposed to be Cain, but they just said it didn't look right the way they made it look like an old man. So they changes the skull. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. when that's when she goes into it, and then then the beast comes right, and. Yep. Yeah, they drop the the rope and whatever. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have looked a little weird with uh with an old man face. Right. I don't know. 
<laughs> uh, so yeah, they got them back. The house is supposedly clear. Next thing you know, the next day they're moving out, right? Well, kind yep. of. I mean, they got everything packed. Or... They really did a poor packing job, though, for people who are supposed to leave that night. <laughs> like, there's still a lot of stuff that's not packed in the house, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then we get the whole scene of, um, like, the dad's like, well, I got to go talk to the boss or whatever. I'll be back. Yep. And... I, so this part of the movie, this 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 part, I kind of find like very bizarre. Why would you let your kids yeah. even go in that room ever again? You know what I mean? At all? Yeah, but, yeah. Like I don't care if she says it's clean. I wouldn't let my I wouldn't let my kids go in that room. Hell no. And then I'm gonna go take a bath and like wash it, like to like dye my hair because I got like white white, you know. All, right. that, all that stuff seems pretty, pretty ridiculous. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. Just it seems a little bit like an excuse to like get to this last part of the movie, but uh, yeah, right. So what? How it? You know, whatever. I mean, the kids are in their room. I mean, they're they're supposed to not stay. They're not going to stay the night. They're going to go to the hotel, but he hasn't gotten back yet. So, you know, so right. I'm conk out or whatever. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. So. As they're going to sleep, then like the 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 fucking clown is still out. They didn't pack the clown. Clown's still sitting in the yeah. chair. First, yeah. Right. First of all, after watching it the other night, like, why the fuck would you even buy your kid a clown that looks like that? I don't know. And the kid doesn't like it. <laughs> he didn't right. want it. Maybe no. It a, maybe it was a gift. Like maybe it was like right? their grandma gave it to him or something. You know what I mean? That's probably where it came from. Right. Right. Yeah, like I don't understand. That right? Yeah, that's the only way it makes sense, right? Right. And uh, yeah, fucking um, the clown's there. He tries to thing doesn't tries to the the thing over it again. That Chewbacca, you know, um, jacket or whatever. Yep. Uh, but it doesn't do it, so he just tries to turn away, and all of a sudden you hear a chunk or whatever. I, f- I forget the sound, but it's like, and he looks up, and the clown's fucking gone. <laughs> right. Which is terrifying. He looks under the bed. It's not there. Yeah. Comes up, and all of a sudden, it's behind him. <laughs> That's right. Woo! Woo! Which is, of course, like, I mean, how many times have we seen this trick in, in horror movies since then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this created that. I, mean, I don't think you saw it before, but you've definitely seen this, like, I mean, it's probably in every James Wan movie at least once, right? Right. Oh yeah, this direction. Yeah, and no. the thing is being like all of a sudden behind him, you know. So now the thing's trying to choke him, and turned out they actually choked the kid on accident too, <laughs> for real. Yeah, that's what <laughs> 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 like so, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't have to act that much. Right. Um, concurrently, he's like screaming. She goes in the bedroom and their bedroom. She lies down. She hears them. And all of a sudden, the thing, like, fucking pushes her back on the bed, right? Yep. And starts lifting her shirt. Yeah, which is so random. And I guess this was supposed to originally be, like, a fucking ghost rape. Okay. Yeah, originally there was going to be some ghost rape in the scene, and they toned it down. (laughs) Well, right. (laughs) Yeah, like, it was going to, like, assault her, basically. Yeah. Right. So that was, like, the only little bit of that 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 they left was, was it trying to lift up her shirt. Oh, yeah. But then we have the whole gimbal room, which, of course, I mean, 
was the largest gimbal thing until Nightmare on Elm Street, I think uh, right. a year later, two years later. Two years later, yeah. And uh, we see her getting like moved up the wall and across the ceiling, and finally she gets out. Um, as she's trying to, to go to the kids' room, though, like I think that the 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 beast like show the skull thing happens again, right? Where it like stops her from going towards the room. Yeah, but it looks like an animal this time. Yeah. And then so she runs out and she's like trying to get help. And that, the kid like the boy like manages to fucking kill the fucking clown though. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's ripping up. He's like talking, he's like, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> yep. And she's out trying to get help, like yelling, whatever. And then she fucking slips into the 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 pool they're digging in the back. That's right. And then one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie starts, which is when the fucking real dead bodies start coming out of the pool and out of the ground. <laughs> yep. I always wish it happened before Tangent and Clint's the house. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it made more sense. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure why they're coming out now, but uh, right. maybe it's maybe it's the beast using it or something, you know? Yeah. We're just gonna have to go with that. Yeah. Because she supposedly cleans it, but yeah. So it's, maybe it's the beast pulling the bodies out, you know, trying to keep people busy. Cause she's something like that's going on. Right. Uh, but yeah, so the bodies are coming out, and they, I mean, they're they're real bodies too, from what I understand. Yeah, and that's what she says. Yeah, they're real, real, real corpses. And um. Yeah, they look amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, which I guess they, they should. They're actual dead bodies. Um, right. And uh, they, they're popping out. Uh, the stuff's popping out. And it's just so creepy. Like, she's in the water and their heads are coming out towards her and all this stuff. And, I, yeah, I definitely think maybe the beast is, like, manipulating the bodies or something, you know? Right. Trying to keep her busy for, so that it can eat the children again. Yep. Uh. But it's actually pretty tense because she's trying to get out and it's like raining and it's all muddy and she can't get up. Then she slips back in, you know? Yeah. She finally gets up on like a hose. But I was thinking about it last night. I was like, man, this is, that's like pretty, you could, you could, like, it's like quicksand, man. Like it's like that, that mud gets so bad that you just get sucked in and you could die, you know? Right. I guess, let alone like the corpses, like the whole thing is pretty creepy, you know? Oh yeah, dude. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Like I was thinking, I was like, kind of creeped me out like the whole fact of like, yeah, she couldn't get out, like just slipping in the mud, you know. Yeah. But finally, she gets back in the house, and then we get the scene where she's running down the hallway, which is really good. Yeah. Towards the door, and it's like the hallway's like extending, you know, like as she's going down the hall. It's so cool. Oh yeah. I don't even know how they did that. No idea. And she gets to the room, she pulls it open, and now there's, like, literally, like, the closet has turned into, like, a big throat, basically. See, you think of throat, I thought of vagina. Oh, yeah, it is kind of like that, isn't it? That's what I thought, So I was like, oh, it's taking it back into the womb, like, giving yeah. it, like, giving itself rebirth in a different way. I always thought of, like, a vagina. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It does look like that. It could be a vagina, it could be a throat, however you want to interpret it. Yeah, I definitely could see that, though, with, like, the whole factor of, like, the like, what do they call that? That 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 fluid around the baby when it comes out, like um. Yeah, the placenta. Yeah, yeah, but there's like the fluid. Yeah, so that's what that ectoplasm stuff looked like. Yeah, it could be. Right. Yeah, and but anyways, like this thing, like trying to suck them in, 
and um, the mom manages to save him from that. And this is when the dad comes home with, for some reason, with the boss. I don't know. Yeah. But I think the boss is just there so that Craig T. Nelson can give his little speech. Right. You left the bodies. <laughs> you took the crazy. You left the bodies. You <laughs> left the bodies. You moved the headstone, so you left the bodies. <laughs> Why? Like boss, right? And all you see is his boss's eyes fucking white. <laughs> Because oh, no, the fucking like there's like fucking caskets popping up out of the ground and <laughs> right, all the neighbors' houses are fucking you know, crazy. Yeah, and now it's like it's spread everywhere. All the fucking bodies come out and everybody's houses in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything's fucked. And I... they manage to get out to the car, and then the uh, older daughter shows up. They pull her in the car, and they fucking. Book the fucking shit out of there. And then yep. as the boss is watching, the house gets crumpled up. That's right. And uh, sucked into, you know, like some type of portal thing. Like it, it's like it crumples in on itself kind of until it's nothing, right? Right. Yep. Which that whole scene, I after seeing the, the whole, I can't help but think of the Simpsons episode for that part. I can't either. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't want to live with the Simpsons. I'd rather kill itself. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> um, yeah, and so, and of course, it ends with, um, and of course, now whole scene two, we're seeing how there's just like chaos in this whole neighborhood. Like all the shits coming up, like the breaking, like the fucking, you know, um, we call it fire hydrants, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. I don't think this guy is going to financially recover from this, right? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I think his days, his day as a contractor, are done. That's right. Um, yeah, they get to the the motel and get the whole scene where they walk in, and then he, they walk in, then he pushes the TV out, and then the movie ends. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, the uh, yeah, it's the end of the movie. I've always, yeah. felt like, I always felt like the uh, one of the main concepts of the movie too is like the whole movie you got you start with American, uh, you know, national anthem, and the whole movie seems to be kind of riffing on America. You know, America in the eighties, like the dawn of like the the Reagan era, the idea of the American dream. Like this is the family that's living the American dream, but but the American dream is is literally on top of dead bodies, right? Like the skeletons right. in the closet, you know what I mean? Yep. Which is definitely a very good, like, um, representation of, of you know, the, the fact that, yeah, we, we're all living on, on land taken from Native Americans and stuff, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, there seems to be a lot of, a lot of comment, a certain type of subtext in the movie about that kind of stuff and about like consumerism and, and all this yep. kind of stuff. And the fact oh, that yeah. no matter if you have, you have like the seemingly perfect life on the outside. Like you're living the American dream. You got all the shit that you could ever want. You got your kids, you got your dog, like you got all the stuff that you could ever want. Like, and, but no matter what, the fact that your, your life is built upon the, the lies and the corpses of people that is kind of, it could fall apart at any time. Right. Right. I feel like that's kind of a subtext in the movie. Oh yeah, dude. Like, um, yeah, and it actually took me a long time to kind of figure out 
So I'll be honest, when I was a kid, I did not really understand the beast aspect of it. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't get it. So I was always really confused at the end, like why all the stuff's happening. Right. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, she said it was clear. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, wait, should this movie be over by now? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I didn't really, I didn't really quite get that. I didn't really quite understand the portal stuff. Right. Which I, I, I still feel like I don't quite still get as an adult, but I mean, you just kind of go with it, you know? Yeah. The beast part of it makes a lot more sense now. Like now I understand more of like, I understand better what's going on in the movie now as an adult. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, I guess technically, I mean, it's not quite a poltergeist, but in reality, cause I mean, but I guess, you know, if you just, if you were to look at the poltergeist phenomena as something that could move things around, it, it counts, I guess. Yeah. And it's kind of centered around Carol Ann, you know, like, this force is attracted to her and wants to like, you know, devour her or whatever, whatever right. he wants to do with her. I don't know, you know. Kind of reminds me of The Shining. Yeah, except she doesn't seem to have any like supernatural powers in herself, like Danny no. does. But, but there's something about like her that something that, wants her. Yeah, yeah. Has some type. She has some type of energy or light or something that this thing's attracted to. I guess. Right. At least that's how um, Tangina explains it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah. And I'd say with, with the whole, whole Toby Hooper versus Stephen King thing, I think that, I mean, so like, you know, I've heard from people like, like Mick Garrisox on his podcast and other people who were friends with both guys, you know? Right. And Mick Garris was there, like doing the. Um, he was doing a making of thing and like doing promotion and stuff for the movie. Yeah. And I mean, he was working with, yeah, he's, you know, he's friends with Toby, Toby Hooper and Stephen King, and he always or Stephen Spielberg. I mean, and he always says that it's the to you know Toby Hooper directed the movie. Like Steven Spielberg right. definitely had a big part in it, and even Toby Hooper himself was like had felt that that was a good working relationship with with steven spielberg until steven spielberg decided like ended up like saying talking some shit in like the trades or something you know what i mean right which he then had to apologize for and they did open a investigation for the uh directors guild and they still decided they found that toby hooper was the director so i i feel like um i feel like a lot of the times i hear people like kind of like take issue with that or think that's oh is this a steven spielberg movie is because they uh it seems like they automatically assume that toby hooper can't make a different kind of movie than texas chainsaw massacre right, right. but obviously he can i mean even texas chainsaw massacre 2 is totally different yeah. i don't think any of his movies were the same exactly Not the same you know i mean obviously there's definitely the spielberg amblin sheen over the movie oh yeah like that's definitely there. I mean, you definitely feel it. You definitely can see where Steven Spielberg's input was, but I still feel like it is a Toby Hooper movie at the same time. You know? Oh, I do too. I think I think there's like because I think it was just a Spielberg basically gave him direct, not directed it, but you know, like here's ideas that if you follow this, you'll make make it look. Yeah, he was still. Yeah, I think he was like he was. I mean, just from what I understand, Spielberg is definitely a pretty active producer. I think mean, it was definitely there, but but he wasn't like directing the movie himself. You know what I mean? Right. 
I don't I, that, from everything I've heard that's not true it was like Toby Hooper directed the movie you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah and, uh, and I then, didn't find it differently I always thought it was him I just figured Spielberg you know had a big impression in it yeah exactly I mean it's, it's definitely definitely you see the Spielberg elements in it right you know oh yeah um, especially just after rewatching Jaws yeah yeah exactly they're not that far apart you just yeah. kind of concerned but the 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 shot shot um the way the shots are laid out and the way that the editing is and everything yeah feels, feels much more toby hooper you know oh yeah like like the kind of shot compositions and stuff like that are right pre- pretty different from a lot of steven spielberg's movies yeah so it's like I think you have like the Steven Spielberg element to it, but then it definitely is still a Toby Hooper movie at the same in my opinion. I mean Oh yeah, I did no, I agree. Like I've always felt that. Like I just felt like Spielberg produced it because I know at the same time he was making E. T. Yeah, he was directing E. T. at the same time. Well. And uh and if you could compare the I mean, I hate A T, but I mean if you were compared to I'm sure you could see the difference in the way that the movies are directed. Right. You know. That movie gave me nightmares. E.T.? <laughs> yes, that fucking little thing creeped me out. Yeah, I hated E.T. Like, I did not like that movie at all. Um, right. I remember, remember back in the 90s when it was, they'd have, like, like the Hallmark Channel would only show E.T. over and over again on Christmas or whatever? Yep. And go to my grandma's and they'd fucking have E.T. playing. And I was like, God, I hate this movie. I don't, I, that's, like, one of my least favorite Steven Spielberg movies. <laughs> right. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was an adult, but when I was a kid, I I did not I did not like that movie at all. No. I'd rather watch. Yeah, I think Poltergeist is a much better film than ET, personally. <laughs> oh yeah. It sucks how much tragedies with that movie too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you had the, the the older daughter got murdered before the movie came out, right? Yep. Um, and then Carol Ann, of course, died at, right at the end of making Poltergeist three. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And other people died who are associated with Poltergeist two and all those kinds of stuff. Yeah. Of course, that's why they say, say it's a cursed film. You know, I don't yeah. know if it actually is a cursed film, but maybe it might be. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The um. Uh. Yeah. And I've actually uh, never seen Poltergeist two or three. I actually need to maybe uh, rectify that and actually watch this. Watch two for sure. Yeah. Three has some cool effects, but that's about. <laughs> I saw it set yeah. in Chicago for some reason. Yeah, it's in a high rise building the entire time. And I noticed that um her aunt or whatever in that movie is uh played by um what's her name? The lady from Robocop. Yeah, and then Tom Scarrett's the uncle. Yeah, Tom Scarrett's the uncle. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll have to watch. I'll, I'll probably watch both of them. I mean, why not? I mean, I've watched all the Amity, Amityville, uh, you know, uh, Amityville movies, so I mean, I might as well watch Poltergeist ones. <laughs> two creeps the hell out of me, man. Then two has like the guy, the old guy playing the beast, right? Yeah, he plays Kane. That's what they call him now, Reverend Kane. Yeah, and uh, they got something with like Native American stuff in that one, right? Yeah, and the guy who um, was in the movie after he filmed it, he died like two weeks later. Right, the Native American guy in it. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch. I need to watch the second one. 
I mean, I guess it says a lot going for my whole life. I mean, if I have seen it, it was when I was a kid, and I don't remember, you know. Right. I don't think I watched it um, for some reason. I mean, I always remember the, the video art, though, you know. Yeah. And of course, the video art for Poltergeist is like, I mean, it's classic, man. Like, her in front of the TV. Oh, yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Remember holding this VHS in my hands many times when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the biggest thing about this movie is that on a nostalgia level, I think anybody who grew up in the anybody who grew up in the eighties and the nineties, early nineties, yeah. like who spent any time in like suburbs can can instantly get that nostalgia feeling from this movie, right? Right. So literally just gives you that feeling of how the feeling of sub like suburban life back then, the feeling of like, of like everything about that period of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. And on top of it, take you back to like watching it when you're a kid as well in that time period. So it's definitely, right. definitely a, a nostalgia movie at this point for, for some of us, I think, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. So that's something I was thinking about watching it last night. Or the other right. Night. Yeah, it's not, like I, I just came with my papers sitter show me down. I was like, sucks. Right, like, does she think it was gonna scare you? Or she just kind of like, oh, whatever, it'll be fine. Yeah, she's not just be fine. She's like, oh, here, we'll watch this. She goes, let's watch it with my parents. So oh, here, we'll put it on. Yeah, actually, I could see somebody thinking this movie would be okay for kids. I mean, it's 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 not it's not the most scary movie in the world, but. But it actually is one of those movies that probably is more scary to a kid than it is to an adult. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because cause it, it kind of does show from the kid's point of view a lot of it, you know? Right. Which I think is part of what makes it effective. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a great movie. Very influential. I think, like, we wouldn't have Conjuring and all that kind of shit without this movie or Insidious and all that kind of stuff. Nope. You know, I don't think we'd have a movie like The Boogeyman, which we're going to talk about next yeah. without this, you know? Yeah, I agree. But yeah. Uh, what would you rate the movie? Four out of five. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Mostly because, yeah. like, the, some of the plot stuff is, is, like, particularly at the end, is just kind of questionable. <laughs> uh, Bill. Yeah, like, like uh, I just feel like that, in, that, that ending part where... Um, like she's taking the bath and stuff. It's just like why? Like nobody would do that. No, not after what you've experienced. You would never let right. your kids like. Most any mom that I know wouldn't let their kids out of their fucking sight for a long time after all that happened. You know what That's I mean? right. <laughs> uh -huh. I know. I know it's the eighties and all, and they're pretty a little bit more lackadaisical about that stuff. But right. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think no. they're that lackadaisical. <laughs> no, no, not really. So all that kind of felt like they they did that just to like get that last like uh, act in, you know. Yeah. But some yeah. when the podcast was listening, it was like it, it would make sense if like they were all in like the living room or something. You could just couldn't just didn't make any sense that that they'd be in the bedroom again, you know. Right. But yeah, that's actually my pretty much my only real complaint about the movie because I think the rest of it's really good. Oh yeah, that's the same here, dude. And yeah, I mean. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love what happens. I love, like, when the bodies are coming out and all this stuff, but I just feel like uh, it just feels a little convenient. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, definitely a classic movie. 
Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, we went and saw Boogeyman a couple weeks ago. Yes, we did. The new uh, movie based off of Stephen King. Uh, it's based off a story in Night Shift, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, the basic plot is um, essentially like uh, you have a, the main character, main guy is like what is like a psychiatrist. Yeah. Treating out of his house, his wife has just died in a car accident. They have two daughters, one's younger and one's a teenager, and uh, this guy comes and shows up and and is basically like talking about how this thing came. And killed his children essentially, right? Yep. And um, then it seems like this thing has now spread into the psychiatrist's house. So that's basic basic plot plot. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know this this monster, the boogeyman. Yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, I liked the movie a lot. I know that. Oh, I yeah, I know that I have like. Some of my friends didn't like it quite as much as I did, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I haven't jumped in a while in a movie. That got me jump. Yeah, me too. Like, I don't know. Something about this, you know, like, got me in that way of, like, um, kind of like we are talking about Poltergeist a second ago, but, like, maybe kind of, like, for some reason, like, tap into that, like, childhood element of, like, yep. the fear of the closet, you know, and... The bed, in the bed, yeah, coming out of their bed, coming out of the closet, like, which yep. is something that creeped me out as a kid and still kind of yeah. bothers me. You know, I don't like closets so much. You know, right. So I think, uh, yeah, for me, it just really triggered that that feeling, and that's what made it work for me. You know. Yep. One of my friends didn't like didn't or like the end because he felt like it went kind of like two Stranger Things at the end. Okay. Which I didn't really think about that watching it, but I, I guess I could see what like his complaint yeah. about it at the end. But I, I mean, never thought about that, but I could see it. Yeah, like, but you know, for me, it didn't really bother me because I don't mind monster movies. I think that if you're like uh-huh. in it for, you got, I guess like you do have to realize the, the movie is like a, it's not just like a creepy psychological movie or something. It's literally a fucking monster movie. You know what I mean? Right. I guess like you can't probably good for people to, to under, understand that going in the movie you know what i mean <laughs> i did like the, how like they just built up you barely saw the boogeyman until the end exactly you really only see it fully until at the very end like yeah i was listening to an interview with him and he said they they tamped they timed the appearance of the boogeyman to jaws okay so they tried to keep it about the same as jaws as far as actually seeing it you know right which I think worked, and I actually liked. I really liked the the monster design of the of it as well. Oh yeah, monster design is fucking wicked. Real creepy. It almost kind of remind me of like the rake or something. Right. You know, like one of those types of uh, um, what do you call it? Creepy pasta things. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I I liked it a lot. Oh yeah, dude. The atmosphere was good. Yeah. Very, it was a yeah. slow build. Yeah, build up like it was very tense. Yeah, and the character is pretty nice good. The, oh, sorry, dude. What were you gonna say? It was nice not to see the you know the typical oh the two kids don't get along now that they come together like no they she's already protected over. 
Yeah, yeah. They kind of they're already you know protective of each other. They kind of work together. Yeah. The older daughter, I kind of took charge. You know, like to try to try to solve the whole whole thing. Um. And yeah, I mean, part of it's like unraveling, and then I, I one thing I liked about it too is that it almost seemed like the thing spread in the kind of right like viral like it felt like you know like it was like taking over the environment like like yep. spiders and but a spider of darkness you know what i mean like it was spreading these dark webs all over the environment that it kind of infected you know right and i really like that whole idea of, of some kind of monster like infecting somewhere like and trying to destroy all the light and spreads, yeah. like darkness or whatever you know what i mean oh yeah dude P- playing with its food <laughs> Right, yeah, it was yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I really like. I really liked a lot of the aspects of it. Yeah, I like how you see like when it starts sucking their soul out. Yeah, yeah. Right at the end, you start seeing that, and yeah, that definitely tied it to Stephen King stuff. Oh, yeah. Always, I feel like you know, it's not, it's not quite like the things eating the shining, the 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 shining out of them, like in Doctor Sleep, but it's kind of like just kind of like. Something similar to it. I felt more like akin to it, to Pennywise, yeah. right? You know, yeah. Uh, almost like a bit more like primitive, like spider, like this kind of primitive, like kind of version of, of. It's not quite as smart as Pennywise, right? It's not as powerful as Pennywise. You know, it yeah. can't change reality around it in the same way that he does. Like you know, yeah. But it has a similar premise as Pennywise. You know, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I like it. I think that if you people like Stephen King stuff, you're gonna like it. And I think you know, yeah. it's a good, yeah, a, a good like kind of fun horror movie. Right. And I know like originally it's supposed to go stream, but it had really good test reviews. So they put it in theaters. I'm so glad for. Yeah, I'm glad we got to see it in the theaters. Yeah. Because so I just don't think it would have the same effect if you just saw it on TV first. No, I don't think so. I mean, part of it was, I mean, maybe if you're seeing on TV and you got the room all dark. Right. The movie is very much about darkness and, and everything, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah, I think, um, I'm definitely glad we went and saw it, though. Yeah, me too, dude. See, um, yeah, I think the next horror movie, what is the next horror, horror movie that's coming out? Um, I think that's seeing Insidious it. came out today. Insidious came out today. Yeah, but the problem is like there's already like you still have to try to go see uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, check out Insidious too. I mean, I haven't kept up on the Insidious series past the second one. Neither have I. But I heard that's all you need to watch for these for this one. Yeah, it seems like they kind of. Doesn't seem like you really need to see any more than the first two, yeah. Right, and I know it's Patrick uh, Wilson's directing debut. Yeah, the trailer definitely looked creepy. Yeah, and I think later on in the year, is it in August when that haunting in Venice comes out? Yeah, I think so. So definitely want to see that in September's uh, last voyage. Yeah, the last voyage of the Demeter. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely want to see that too. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I haven't haven't really watched anything 
aside from Jaws and Poltergeist, really, and recently, did, did you watch anything since the last time we recorded? Nah, just Poltergeist, Jaws, Independence Day. That's it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Although, I'm going to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie. I end up buying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can check it out. Hopefully, it's good. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully, it's, yeah. I mean, I've heard good things about it. Right. Yeah. The uh, recording episode with uh, with my friend Ralph about uh, Robocop. So I'm going to watch Robocop 1, 2, and 3 this weekend. Oh, hell yeah, dude. For next week. Yeah. I mean, I just got a good, nice Blu ray of Robocop recently, but um, luckily, nice. Robocop 2 and 3 are streaming on Amazon for free. So. I haven't actually seen those movies since uh, since I was a kid, so I literally barely remember two and three. Like I barely remember them. At uh, all. I, no, I could. Only thing I remember from two is the big fucking mech warrior. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's all I remember too. Yeah, the the. <laughs> yeah, and I vaguely remember some aspects of three, but yeah. Uh, it'll be completely, almost like completely new watches. Even though I, mean, I know I saw them when I was a kid because I was obsessed with RoboCop. But yeah, but I mean, here's the thing: like even when I was a kid, I didn't really like RoboCop two and three. So uh, particularly three, I remember not being very good. So like when you're like seven years old and you don't, you think a movie's bad, probably not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, right. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I so I think. Is the next one we're gonna do gonna be the fog? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I haven't seen since I was a kid, so I got to rewatch that. Oh well, you haven't seen man. The fog's my favorites. I watch that pretty often. Nice. Yeah, I love the fog. So that's gonna be fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, uh, hope you have a good rest of your night, dude. You too, dude. Uh, talk to you later. All right, cool, dude. Bye. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with the sword. 
Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Thank <laughs> you.